0: Parshas Truma, Volume 21, Chelek Chafalif, Sicha 2, When Shlaima Melech built the Beis Hamikdash, knowing that the Beis Hamikdash would one day be destroyed, he built a place within which the Orin, the Ark, could one day be hidden away. In this way, he was ensuring the eternality of the first temple. The Rambam Maimonides addresses this in chapter 4 in Perek of Hilchas Beis Habchirah, of the laws of the Temple, and he writes, The Ark was placed on a stone in the western portion of the Holy of Holies. The vial of man and Ahrein's staff were placed before it. Ubeis shes bona shloima es habais, vioda shesifo lecharev, bona bay mochaim lignois bay hoorin, le matter, be matmunies, amukais, va a calcalis, Vieshiyahu hamelach siva, ugnozai bay mochaim shabona shloima. When Solomon built the temple, he was aware that it would be ultimately be destroyed. Therefore, he constructed a chamber in which the ark could be entombed below the temple building in deep maze-like vaults. King Yeshiyahu commanded that the ark be entombed in the chamber built by Solomon. Sheneemar, as it says, va'yomer lalevim hamevinim lechol Yisrael hakdeishim laHashem. As it says in Chronicles. And he said to the Levites, who would teach wisdom to all of Israel, "Tenu es arin hakodesh bebayis asher bana shloima ben David melech Yisrael, ein lochem masa b'kaseif ata ivdu es Hashem lekechem vegeimer." Place the holy ark in the chamber built by King Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. You will no longer carry it on your shoulders. Now, he concluded, serve the Lord your God in the temple. When it was entombed, Aaron's staff, the uh, Maimonides continues, the vial of manna and the oil used for anointing were entombed with it. All these sacred articles did not return in the second temple. Similarly, Maimonides continues, the Urim Vitumim that existed in the second temple did not answer with divine inspiration, and questions were not asked of it in the second temple. They only made them, the Urim Vitumim to fulfill the requirement of eight garments for the high priest, and thus the high priest would not lack one of the required garments." Commentaries ask significantly the Yaivetz, and we too want to understand why all of this information, where the urn was hidden, when it was hidden, through who it was hidden, was relevant to the determination of Jewish law regarding the purpose and intention of the work of Maimonides here that discusses the building of the temple. And it's uncommon for Maimonides to record in this body of work that which is not law or a specific lesson or awareness in divine service. Knowing the entire story of where and how and through whom the, ar- the ark was hidden seems to be beyond the intention of this work of Maimonides. As well, this entire idea how and where the ark where it was hidden away, is debated among the scholars and the sages. Yet, Maimonides chooses one opinion, even though it seems not to be a discussion, again, relevant to law. Commentaries, again, significantly the opinion of the Iveths, suggests that there is great significance in this addition in chapter 4 to the Laws of the Temple, as according to the opinion of Maimonides, as stated in chapter 6 of the Laws of the Temple, the sanctity of the house of God never departs. Maimonides writes, Veloma ani eimer Yerushalayim." Why do I say that the original consecration sanctified the temple in Jerusalem for eternity? While in regard to the consecration of the remainder of Eretz Yisrael, in the context of the sabbatical year, or tithing, or other similar agricultural laws. The original consecration did not sanctify it for eternity. Because the sanctity of the Temple in Jerusalem stems from the shechina and the shechina can never be nullified. Indeed, the Torah tells us in the Torah portion of Vaikra, Vayikra, I will lay waste to your sanctuaries, the sages say. Even though they have been devastated, their sanctity remains. And that aligns with the opinion of where the urn was hidden away, which is directly beneath the Holy of Holies, the Kiddush HaKodshim, it's designated, the designated place of the Ark in the temple. Also, a primary issue in the temple is who may go into specific areas of the temple, and the restriction from, uh, for others from entering those areas. And the presence of the Ark in the Holy of Holies determines these restrictions. And so knowing that the Ark is hidden away directly beneath the holy of holies, tells us that this place retains its holiness, as Maimonides teaches. But this explanation isn't quite sufficient, as in addition to the fact that Maimonides goes ahead to explain his reasoning as to why the original consecration of the temple is eternal, as we just discussed, that it's due to the Shekhinah, which can never be nullified, and thus not dependent on the place of the ark, in which case Maimonides could have sufficed in chapter four with a brief statement that the ark was hidden away in its destined place, and there it remains. Yet Maimonides does not suffice with this, and he adds all of the information about where and through who, etc. Maimonides could have briefly stated that the uran, the ark, was hidden away in its place, and we would have understood the intention that the Aaron is indeed buried immediately beneath the Holy of Holies. Yet Maimonides actually hides this bit of information and instead says that King Solomon built within it a place to hide away the ark. That Those words, within it, sounds like it means within the temple itself, as this is what Maimonides is addressing. And it doesn't automatically tell us that the intention is immediately below the holy of holies. If the intention of Maimonides is that it's due to the concealed presence of the ark, of the Orin, that the temple retains its holiness, well, that part of the lesson is in fact obscured in the words of Maimonides. There's something else Maimonides does not quote, as the Talmud and the Tractate of Yoma does, that it remains there to this very day, which highlights that the aron, the Ark, is right now today still in its place, hence the eternal holiness of the place of the temple. And more essential to our discussion yet is that this does not address why Maimonides quotes the opinion that King Yeshayahu y- y- is is the one who hid the urn, the ark, a detail seemingly unrelated to the idea that Maimonides wants to bring across, which is whether the urn is hidden beneath the Holy of Holies or, as other opinions suggest, beneath the place where the wood for the altar was stored in the woman's section of the temple. Finally, the discussion about where the urn is hidden and who placed it there with all the details, a., regarding King Solomon building a designated place for it, B, that it was in a deep maze-like chamber, C, that King Yeshiyahu gave the order that be it be hidden, not just that it was hidden, D, that it was hidden in the place that King Solomon built, and bringing proof for this from a verse, including the words, and he said to the Levites who would teach wisdom to all of Israel, place the holy ark in the chamber, built by Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. You will no longer carry it on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God with a different service, the ongoing service in the temple. Words seemingly completely unrelated to the proof that it was Yeshua who gave the command to hide the ark in the place that King Solomon built. How is all of this practically relevant to the law that Maimonides is teaching? There's something else we still want to examine. Maimonides very casually mentions that King Solomon knew that the temple would be destroyed and thus built this place to hide away the Aaron. This makes it sound like the decision to build this place was his decision based on his intuition that the temple would be destroyed. But we know that every part of the temple was built by God's command. As the verse itself indicates, that the temple was built completely according to the recorded word of God. How do we reconcile this idea that King Solomon would build a place to hide the ark on his own volition and not by God's instruction? Secondly, why does Maimonides complete this idea telling us that the Urim Vitumim in the second temple wasn't used? While indeed it's part of the first temple experience that we did not have use of in this way in the time of the second temple, it really doesn't seem to have anything to do with these specific laws of the temple in this chapter. Where it is relevant to where it is discussed is in the laws of the garments of the Kohanim and those who service the temple in chapter 10. Why does Maimonides even mention it here at all with the laws of the Holy Ark? The observation that Maimonides does indeed bring mention of the Urim v'tumim here in the section of the laws of the ark indicates that there is a close connection to the ark, and not only because it is among the parts of the second temple that we did not have the same access to. To unpack this all and begin to understand everything we discussed, let's talk about place where Maimonides chooses to discuss this particular aspect. In the beginning of the laws of the temple, in chapter 1, Maimonides says, the following elements are essential when constructing this house. A. the Sanctuary. B. The Holy of Holies. C. preceding the sanctuary, there should be a place called the entrance hall. These three together are called the temple. Thereafter, Maimonides teaches about the vessels required for the sanctuary and enumerates the vessels and where they were situated. In the ensuing chapters 2 and 3, Maimonides describes how the vessels actually looked, their form and the details, and in chapter 4, he teaches the form and the architecture of the temple itself, the walls of the temple, the courtyard, the gates, etc., it would seem that the Ark belongs among the descriptions of the vessels of the temple. Why then the lengthy discussion of concealing and entombing the Ark in the chapter that talks about the construction and architecture of the temple? This speaks to the very fact that as the Ark rests in the Holy of Holies, it is, according to Maimonides, A detail in the actual construction and architecture of the temple. It is not just a vessel that is located in the Holy of Holies, like other vessels which are placed in their place, which is the sanctuary. It's actually the Ark is part of the Holy of Holies, of the very structure of the Holy of Holies itself. And in fact, it is what makes the temple into a house for God, as we read in verse 22 in Posuk Havbez, in our Torah portion, in chapter 25, Perik I, says God, will arrange my meetings with you there, and I will speak with you from atop the ark cover, from between the two chubim that are upon the ark of the testimony, all that I will command you unto the children of Israel. This explains why Maimonides does not note the uran, the ark, as one of the vessels described in chapter one of the laws of the temple, because the ark is not an individual vessel. It's part and parcel of the holy of holies. This explanation, though, would create further confusion, because if that's the case, then in the time of the second temple, when the ark was not in the holy of holies, of which it is not a vessel but an actual part— then the temple was incomplete, which means that in the second temple, what was missing was not just an aspect of it, but something that made it a house for God. So to remove any confusion around this, Maimonides teaches us at length all about the concealing of the ark immediately below the Holy of Holies, helping us to understand how the ark was not missing in the time of the second temple. In fact, None of these details that Maimonides gives us around the hiding away of the Ark, like the detail that King Solomon built a place to hide the Ark away because he knew the first temple would be destroyed, is to tell us what transpired historically. It is only to reveal a law regarding the building of the temple. Concealing the Ark wasn't the result of an event. In fact, it was an aspect of the construction and the architecture of the temple, that the Ark have two places in the temple, a place that was revealed upon the foundation stone in the Holy of Holies, and a place where it would be hidden below the Holy of Holies in a deep maze-like cavern. This, too, was the place of the Ark in the temple. In other words, The hiding away of the ark was not an event that took place ancillary to the temple's existence when needed. It was a law in the building of the temple itself. Whereas in order for the temple's wholeness, there must be a place built for the ark to stand in its revealed state. There must also be a place in the holy of holies for the ark when it is in a concealed state, thereby ensuring the eternality of the Holy of Holies, as the Holy of Holies is only complete with the Ark present. Now we can better understand the explanation that Maimonides gives us, stating that when King Solomon built the temple, he was aware that it would ultimately be destroyed and built a place to hide away the Ark. It was not on his own initiative that he did so, God forbid, but that his instruction and knowledge about how to build the temple, all instructed by God, included this awareness that it would be destroyed, and he was instructed to, and he built this hidden chamber. The Ark must be in the Holy of Holies. And so had King Solomon been commanded to dig a place for it below the Holy of Holies, without knowing why, The intention would not have been part of the construction, and it would not have acquired sanctification. Thus, Maimonides makes the point that King Solomon knew that the temple would be destroyed and therefore built a place for the ark to be hidden. This was an intentional part of the building of the temple, built deep into a cavernous and maze-like aperture beneath the Holy of Holies, thus sanctifying this space for the Ark as part of the Holy of Holies. Accordingly, we can now also understand the reason for Maimonides to continue the narrative regarding King Yoshiahu who gave the order to hide the Ark where King Solomon built a hiding place. This aspect of the narrative brings further proof that hiding the Ark in its place wasn't an ancillary event or in a random place. But it was predetermined that there it be hidden. This, therefore, did not happen when the destruction of the temple took place, as, in, as it turned out it needed to be hidden, but rather when the temple was not in a state of danger at all. The nation's status in the time of Yeshayahu's reign was intact, and the event of bringing the ark to this hidden chamber was like when the ark was first brought to the Holy of Holies by King Solomon. The righteous King Yoshiahu thus gave the order to conceal the ark, and this was entrusted to and carried out by the Levim, by the Levites who taught wisdom to the entire nation, just as the priests had done in the reign of King Solomon when they brought the ark to its position in the Holy of Holies. Therefore, the verse tells us that the ark was placed in the house of God that King Solomon built. Placed. It was never removed from its place. It was, on the contrary, again placed in its proper place in the temple. And thus Maimonides concludes this with the words that instruct the levium instructing the Levites, you shall no longer carry the ark on your shoulders. Now your service of God will be different, as the ark will now be in a concealed place, and you can no longer affect your service in this way. There is no lack in the divine service of the Levites. It would just change with a new reality, and they would continue to serve in the temple itself. Now we asked, why does Maimonides mention the Urim Vitumim in this discussion? Which he then discusses again in chapter 10, when he teaches about the garments of the priests. Maimonides elaborates here regarding the vest-like breastplate, which contained the parchment parchment upon which was written God's ineffable name, the Tetragrammaton. Again, in the words of Maimonides in chapter 4, similarly, the Urim Vitumim that existed in the second temple did not answer with Ruach HaKodesh, with divine inspiration, and questions were not asked of it in the second temple. They only made them to fulfill the requirement of eight garments for the high priest. Thus, the high priest would not lack one of the required garments. The Vitumim is used to illustrate the similar status of the Ark in the time of the second temple. The Ark was still in its designated place and thus in its complete state, just as the breastplate, according to Maimonides, was intact and worn intact during the second temple, despite the fact that there was a change in that the Ark was not in a revealed state in the temple. The Urim Vatumen was not consulted and did not answer with divine inspiration. It was in a concealed state, and yet it was fully intact and present, and thus fulfilled the full eight-garment requirement of the high priest. All of this actually points to a very novel wonder, not only in regards to the wholeness and the holiness of the second temple, which clearly did not lack the Ark in its designated place in the Holy of Holies, but also in regards to the holiness of the first temple. That is, that though from a superficial and peripheral perspective, the first temple was not an everlasting building, in other words, it could be destroyed and was destroyed, the inner experience of the temple was eternal. In the first temple, there is a place which experienced no destruction, and there lies the ark until today. The holiness of the place of the temple that is due to the Shekhinah, which can never be nullified, retains its original holiness for all time. But there's something deeper yet that Maimonides reveals for us, and that is that the building itself contains a portion that was holy in its full state and remains holy into the days of redemption. The Holy of Holies was built from the very beginning for then and forever, and it exists in a state of hiddenness. Our understanding now of all three temples is much clearer and much deeper. There are not three temples that have a connection to one another, built in three different times. They are, in essence, one house of God, one temple. The second and the third temples are at a very integral point, not new edifices. Rather, the first temple is built anew each time. Because within the first temple, there already exists an established space designated for the time of the first temple, the second, and for the third, for all eternity. This is likely the same as the experience of Treyas HaMason, the revival of the dead. New bodies will not be created, but the material of the bodies that once lived will be rebuilt from the Etzim luz, the luz bone, translated as a sacrum, which cannot be destroyed and does not decompose. Hence, King Solomon built a place, in which to hide the Ark. The place where the Ark stands is the etzem, the essence of the temple, where no loss and no destruction can take place, and from which the second and third temples are built up. The law that Maimonides teaches reveals amazing things about the general idea of destruction and exile. The temple would have been indestructible. A non-Jew cannot have any power, God forbid, over the temple, over the house of God. The fact that ultimately the temple was destroyed is because the possibility of destruction existed in the structure of its building. It was a spiritual reality in the spiritual architecture of the building. A Jew, too, cannot be ruled by a non-Jew. A non-Jew has no power over a Jew's existence. If this becomes a reality, it's only because a Jew, perhaps inadvertently or certainly inadvertently, but through his or her own actions, created that possibility. In fact, not only can a non-Jew not have dominion over a Jew, even the heavenly court and the heavenly bodies have no dominion over a Jew. It is only with a Jew's agreement that the heavenly court has dominion when and if a Jew passes judgment upon another Jew, this makes it possible for the heavenly court to pass judgment over us. This is Maimonides' point. The temple could be destroyed only because King Solomon built the temple, not only knowing that it would possibly be destroyed, but also because he built that possibility, Into the temple when he built a cavern into which the ark would be hidden in the case of its destruction. Why would he do that? Clearly, King Solomon knew, even as he built it with all the joy and energy of purpose, that the destruction of the temple is part of the fulfillment of the purpose of the temple, thus making space for that possibility. The destruction of the temple was not God forbid, God forbid, just for the sake of destruction was for the sake of a greater spiritual reality that can only follow a destruction, a descent for the sake of an ascent, so that we could ultimately build an eternal home for God, built by God, as Isaiah teaches, and thus unlimited and eternal. Thus Maimonides teaches when King Solomon built the temple, he had prior knowledge that it would ultimately be destroyed because a temple built by human hands cannot be eternal. Thus he built a place within which to hide the ark. He facilitated the possibility for destruction because in that way we would eventually experience an elevation, an elevation through destruction, an elevation of the third temple. His very action of building a cavern under the Holy of Holies, within which to hide the ark, speaks to his knowledge that a destruction would lead to an elevation, and has an impact on two distinct levels. On one hand, building the cavern within which to hide the ark speaks to the knowledge that the temple would be destroyed. On the other hand, building that cavern for the ark was to ensure its eternal survival, which means that the temple would be eternal, In this way, there was no lack in the second temple, and beyond that even, he ensured that the ark would remain intact and from which the third temple will be rebuilt. Accordingly, we can also explain at a deeper level the three terms that Maimonides uses when he speaks about the place within which the ark was hidden. Bimatmunies the v'akalkales, deep, subterranean, maze-like vaults, These three descriptions allude to the elevated level of holiness and eternality that the temple had when it was built with a place within which to hide the ark. Though externally it appears that these words, deep maze-like vaults, seem to be addressing the reality of a destroyed temple and the need to hide away the ark, it's specifically through this descent Which precipitates repentance, tshuva, for that descent. That there is then an ascent. Through this ascent, the deepest, most intense, and hidden levels of godliness, which cannot be plumbed with an ordinary divine service, are revealed and drawn into this world. It's only the service of tshuva, repentance, that follows one's distancing oneself from God, that as a result of a Jew not walking in the straight path of godliness, but rather taking a maze-like journey, that the deepest hidden spaces of the divine are drawn down through an or chaser. This light will be fully revealed in the third temple, the eternal temple. May it be built and revealed speedily in our day's mamash with a complete and true redemption through Mashiach, our righteous Redeemer.